Welcome to this episode of Uplink The Big Story, where we dive into the high-flying drama of the aviation world. I'm Shasta, and today we are unpacking the turbulent saga of the JetBlue and Spirit Airlines merger, a $3.8 billion deal that has been grounded by a federal judge over antitrust concerns. This decision has set shockwaves through the airline industry, particularly within the low-cost travel sector, raising critical questions about the future of affordable air travel, competition, and the strategic moves of major players in the industry. In our discussion, we'll explore the ripple effects of this ruling on JetBlue and Spirit. We're looking at what's next for these two airlines as they navigate uncertain skies. How will this impact their operations, their market positioning, and their growth strategies? We'll also dive into the broader implications for low-cost carriers, cheap fares, and the competitive landscape of the airline industry. Moreover, we're zooming in on the human element of this aviation drama, the pilot and the flight attendant unions, trends in pilot pay, and the challenges facing regional air service. With the tight grip on airplane deliveries from OEM giants like Airbus and Boeing, how will airlines maneuver to maintain and expand their fleets? And of course, we can't overlook the leadership angle. As Joanna Garrity steps into the role of JetBlue's new CEO, she faces the formidable task of steering the airline through these turbulent times. How will her leadership influence JetBlue's trajectory? And what can we expect from this major player in the days ahead. Welcome to Uplink. The aviation dialogue starts here. I'm Shasta Ways. And I'm Michael Wiles. Thank you for joining us. Let's unpack what's at stake. The grounded deal. Picture this, two airlines, JetBlue and Spirit, ready to merge in a high-flying deal. But a twist emerges. A federal judge, wielding the gavel of antitrust concerns, clips their wings. This decision isn't just a hiccup. It's a systemic shift in the airline industry's landscape, leaving JetBlue and Spirit cruising into the future clouded with uncertainty. Imagine JetBlue, ambitious and ready to scale new heights, suddenly finding its path blocked. The ruling isn't just a temporary setback, it's a strategic maze with long-term implications. JetBlue's stock may have briefly soared, hinting a short-term relief, but the larger picture reveals a challenging journey ahead. And at the flight deck of JetBlue, as this unfolds, is Joanna Garrity. As she assumes the role of CEO, her leadership medal faces a crucial test. Now turn your attention to Spirit. The situation is dire here. A plummeting stock and the shadow of bankruptcy looming large. The merger, once seen as a lifeline, has slipped away, leaving Spirit to chart a course of survival in the fiercely competitive skies of the airline industry. isn't just about two airlines. The ruling signals a shift in the regulatory climate under the Biden administration, hinting a resistance to consolidation in the skies. It raises pressing questions. 
What's the future of low-cost carriers? How will airfare affordability be affected? And what does this mean for the competitive landscape of the airline industry? This story isn't just about corporate strategies and market dynamics. It's about the people who keep these airlines flying, the pilots, the flight attendants, and the unions that represent them. We've dived into the trends in pilot pay, the implications on regional air service, and the hurdles in securing new aircrafts from giants like Boeing and Airbus. And finally, we spotlight Joanna Garrity stepping into the role of JetBlue CEO. Her approach, her decisions, and her ability to steer through the challenges will be pivotal in charting JetBlue's course into the future. Michael, we've just painted a vivid picture of the complexities facing both JetBlue and Spirit in the wake of this block merger. Given the landscape, what strategic moves do you see for these airlines, particularly JetBlue under Joanna Garrity's leadership? Thanks, Shasta. So let's delve into the JetBlue-Spirit merger situation and understand the influence that the Clayton Act uh, plays on the recent ruling by the federal judge. So at the core of the matter right now is antitrust law, particularly one that's called the Clayton Act. This was a law that was passed in 1914, and it's been pivotal in American antitrust policies for more than 100 years. The main aim is to nip anti-competitive behaviors in the bud, essentially stopping them before they can negatively impact consumers on the marketplace. So I think with this context, the reason the judge blocked the merger of JetBlue, which is the sixth largest airline in the country with Spirit, is a clear reflection of uh, a strong commitment to maintaining competitive markets. So Michael, you mentioned the Clayton Act. What is that? That's a good question, Shasta. So as I said, the Clayton Act is like a big deal law in the US and it's not just for airlines, but for all businesses. So think of it as a rule from 1914 that's about keeping competition fair and stopping any one company from getting too powerful, like a monopoly, right? So we know that when a company has a monopoly, it basically runs a whole market. And that's not great because it could mean higher prices and less choices for us. That explanation is very helpful, Michael. So to sum it all up, the Clayton Act essentially acts as a guardrail for the marketplace, ensuring no single company can dominate to the detriment of competition and consumer choice. It's interesting to see how the century-old law still plays a pivotal role in modern business decisions like the JetBlue and Spirit merger scenario. It's not just about keeping business in check, it's also about fostering new environments where innovation and fair play thrive, ultimately benefiting consumers with better services and prices. It's a balance between business ambitions and market health, isn't it? Absolutely, Shasta. Let's delve deeper into why the merger was blocked and its implications for JetBlue. The judge's decision, aligning with the U.S. Department of Justice to block the $3.8 billion takeover, was rooted in concerns about anti-competitive outcomes. So the merger between JetBlue and Spirit although not about the size of these airlines individually, raised red flags over its potential to reduce competition in the airline industry. To be clear, the primary worry was that this consolidation could lead to higher fares and fewer choice for consumers, altering the market dynamics significantly. For JetBlue, particularly under the leadership of incoming CEO, this decision marks a crucial juncture. JetBlue is known for its stronghold on the East Coast, and so now JetBlue faces the challenge of expanding and diversifying its services in an industry landscape 
where larger carriers offer a more varied mix of seating options, including more business and first-class seats. That's really interesting. Yeah, so this ruling doesn't just represent a roadblock in JetBlue's expansion strategy. It's a whole call to rethink and innovate their growth approach in a market where competitive dynamics are rapidly evolving. Michael, that's such an insightful perspective. It seems like JetBlue's at a crossroad, needing to really chart a new course after both the dissolution of its partnership with American Airlines and the block merger with Spirit. This third path for growth, as you mentioned, is not immediately clear, and it definitely poses a significant strategic challenge. On the other hand, Spirit's earlier inclination towards a merger with Frontier Airlines might come back into play. However, in the regulatory climate, there is a real question about whether a merger could pass antitrust scrutiny. It's also important to note how the judge, in his ruling, recognized the motives of both JetBlue and Spirit to enhance shareholder value, while also emphasizing the Department of Justice's role in safeguarding consumer interest. This delicate balance between corporate goals and consumer protection, particularly for customers of smaller airlines like Spirit, highlights the ongoing relevance and necessity of the Clayton Act in ensuring competitive fairness in the marketplace. Turning our attention to the market's reaction, Michael, we saw JetBlue's share surge about 12% after the merger was blocked, suggesting investor relief at avoiding a complex and costly merger. But conversely, Spirit stock plummeted over 50%, indicating serious concerns about its viability as a standalone airline. I'm curious to know, Michael, how do you interpret these market reactions in light of this landmark antitrust decision? Shasta, I think the market reaction are quite telling. Um, JetBlue's stock surge definitely re- reflects, I think, investors' confidence in the airline's financial stability without the burden of a complex merger. You know, because uh, it seems investors are relieved that JetBlue is not biting off more than it can chew financially and operationally at this time. You know, you mentioned the changing of the guard. On the flip side, I think the steep drop that we saw in Spirit's stock price is a deep market concern about Spirit's ability to thrive independently, especially in this competitive industry where scale is crucial. So I think this stark difference in market response also sheds light on how important the Clayton Act influences not just legal outcome, but investor perceptions and business strategies. I think the ruling against the JetBlue Spirit merger sets a clear precedent that antitrust law will be a significant barrier to market consolidation in the airline industry. I think it also underscores that any future merger proposals will be closely scrutinized for their impact on competition and consumer choice. So Michael, to put this into perspective, I'd love to hear why in this situation, a bigger airline is not necessarily better for society or the traveling public? Shasta, that's a great point to consider. The notion that bigger isn't always better is particularly relevant to the airline industry. And let me explain. Firstly, when airlines grow too large through mergers or acquisitions, they gain excessive market power. This dominance can lead to reduced competition, which often results in higher ticket prices and fewer choices for consumers. So essentially, when there is less competition, There's less incentives for airlines to offer competitive pricing or 
innovate in customer service. And if you think about it, even though people tend to look down on Spirit, Spirit's business model has been the model that most airlines have adopted today in the space where the seat is almost free and then you pay for things on top of that. Secondly, larger airlines can sometimes lose focus on customer experience. As they grow, their operations become more complex and maintaining the quality of service can become challenging. Smaller airlines, on the other hand, can often be more nimble and customer focused, offering unique services or more personalized attention than larger airlines struggle to match. Furthermore, I think bigger airlines can lead to market saturation. They can operate multiple flights on the same route, which isn't necessarily efficient. I think this can lead to unnecessary increase in operational costs, which ironically can harm the airline's profit in the long run. And I think lastly, from, from an operational standpoint, larger airlines face uh, significant integration challenges. Merging different uh, corporate cultures, operational systems, customer service philosophies, fleet is a daunting task. And this doesn't always yield the synergies or efficiencies that were uh, initially envisioned. So I think in summary, while growth and expansion are very important for airlines, in fact, they're necessary, there's this balance that needs to be struck. Um, it's crucial to grow in a way that maintains competitive pricing, high service quality, operational efficiency, and a focus on customer satisfaction. But sometimes, you know, staying smaller and more agile can actually be a strategic advantage in the highly competitive airline industry. So to break this down even more for our listeners, can you share what's at stake here? Yeah, I think the JetBlue Spirit merger presents significant stakes, whether it goes through or not. So let's talk about what happens if the deal goes through and if the deal doesn't go through. Sounds good. So there are five things to consider if the deal goes through. One, market consolidation. The merger could consolidate the market further, potentially reducing the number of low-cost carrier options available to customers. If you think about it, right now we have Spirit and Frontier. So a potential merger between JetBlue and Spirit could lead to higher ticket prices and fewer choices for travelers, especially on routes where JetBlue and Spirit currently compete. Two, there's also operational synergies that we have to consider. JetBlue could benefit from operational efficiencies, such as a larger fleet, expanded network, and increased market share. This would definitely strengthen JetBlue's position against the larger competitors. There's also brand and service integration challenges to consider. Integrating Spirit's ultra-low-cost model with JetBlue's slightly more premium service could present challenges. This might involve aligning different corporate cultures, customer service standards, and operational practices. We also have to consider the impact on employees and unions. There is a potential for the merger to lead to job redundancies and change in labor relations. There is no doubt that this would affect employees on both airlines from pilot to cabin crew and ground staff. And then finally, we have to consider the investor reaction. Investors might react positively if they believe the merger will create a stronger, more competitive airline in the long run. At the same time, there are short-term costs and integration challenges that might concern them. Okay, so that's if the deal goes through. Let's talk about if the deal doesn't go through. There's also a lot at stake if the deal doesn't go through. For one, continued competition. 
JetBlue and Spirit would have to continue to operate as independent competitors. This would maintain the current level of competition in the market and could potentially benefit consumers through lower prices and more choices. There's also the strategic challenges for JetBlue. Without the merger, JetBlue would now need to find alternative strategies for growth, um, especially given its ambition to compete more effectively with the larger carriers. On the flip side, Spirit would now face an uncertain future. Spirit could face financial and strategic uncertainties. For Spirit, this merger represented a significant opportunity for growth. And so now the airline might need to explore other options in the future, including finding another merger partner or restructuring its operation. If you go back to the start, remember how we even got here. Spirit was supposed to merge with Frontier. So it's a potential that that could be back on the table. There's also the regulatory precedence. The, the blocking of this deal definitely sets a precedent for future airline mergers and acquisitions, reflecting a stricter regulatory stance on airline industry consolidation under current antitrust laws. And then finally, we have to talk about market and investor sentiment. I think the airline industry and investors will closely monitor the outcome because the decision could affect stock prices and investor confidence in both airlines depending on market perceptions of their future prospects as standalone entities. In either scenario, the implication extends beyond the two airlines to the wider airline industry, affecting everything from market dynamics and pricing strategies to consumer choice and employee welfare. Well, you know, Joanna Garrity, new CEO of JetBlue, uh, she's definitely the right woman for the job. She has been with JetBlue for over 18 years, serving in several senior um, executive roles. Uh, she's she's definitely like her hands are deep into the business. She's the second in command or she was second in command for the company before the uh, past CEO stepped down. And um, she comes with a wealth of knowledge and experience. So she is more than qualified for this position. Um, but at the same time, I think to myself, uh, it would have been much more joyous to have celebrated this historical event um, when, you know, at a time where JetBlue could have been thriving more and not really on this brink of, you know, what's their their next big move for the airline to grow and, and to be um, profitable and, and sustainable. Yeah, I, I thought it was telling that the uh, outgoing CEO, Robin Hayes, uh, when he announced his departure, he said that the extraordinary challenges and pressure of this job have taken their toll. And on the advice of my doctor, after talking to my wife, it's time to put more focus on my health and well-being. And then a week after, it came out that the judges had blocked the JetBlue and Spirit merger. So yeah. while I'm happy for Joanna, I'm also, it was like, man, I wish she was being handed an airline at its peak and... Um, there's less cleanup work that she has to do because, um, you know, there is a broader question about how women tend to come into leadership roles and the challenges that they face compared to male leaderships. Right. Right. You know, it, kudos to the past CEO for stepping down for mental health reasons. Um, I think that kind of decision-making is so important from leadership within our industry. But at the same time, I think about Joanna and, you know, again, she's worked her whole career. Um, and this is, this is the most powerful 
position any woman in aviation has held within the major U.S. airlines. Um, she is the first woman to be in that position again with uh, within the U.S. airline industry, and it just I I wish it could have been under you know maybe different circumstances because um, now it seems like we're definitely celebrating her, but it's a lot of cleanup that she has to do and. Um, you know, it is what it is. You know, in, ter- in terms of strategic decisions going forward, I think JetBlue will continue to pursue aggressive expansion through mergers or acquisitions, or they'll have to find a way to grow organically and through operational improvements. And I think Joanna's um, choices will be closely watched and they will be critical. You know, she will need to balance growth ambitions with operational realities and financial health. Yeah. And it's, it's also important to note, um, you know, one of the things that Joanna has on her agenda most likely is that um, JetBlue has faced a lot of financial challenges. Um, Quite honestly, they haven't turned a profit since 2019. And I think that this puts a lot of pressure on Joanna to not only steer the company through you know, the current legal and strategic challenges, but also return to its profitability. And then in addition to that, just some of the industry challenges um, that we face, including competitive dynamics, regulatory environments, and operational hurdles like air traffic control and efficiencies. Um, I believe that Garrity's ability to advocate for JetBlue's interests and address these challenges will be really pivotal for her and her leadership. And then just to wrap it all up, um, Garrity, I think, will ha- also have to find ways to regain investors' confidence. Um, and just the market stability for JetBlue will be a key task for her, especially in light of the airline's stock performance and the just like the overall industry competitive and pressures. But she has a lot on her plate, and we certainly wish her all the best. So that's all for today. You know, it's clear that the skies are still changing for JetBlue and Spirit and the airline industry as a whole. I think with the ongoing court proceedings and the futures of these airlines hanging in the balance, we'll have to keep a close eye on how things unfold. So while we've explored the potential paths for challenges ahead for JetBlue and Spirit and the broader impacts of the industry and consumers, this story is far from over. Michael, thank you so much for all of your insights today. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Before we move on, we've got just a couple of important housekeeping notes for all of our listeners out there. The first is join Uplink Link Up Community. Here's one benefit of joining. If you're looking to dive deeper into the world of aviation and join the conversation, we'd love for you to be a part of our Uplink LinkUp community. It's a great space where enthusiasts like you can discuss, debate, and share insights about everything aviation. Joining is super easy. Just head over to our website or check out the show notes for the link in our Uplink LinkUp WhatsApp group. We have a general group for aviation discussions, and we have a special uplink link up DC Metro group for our listeners in the DC area. Being part of uplink link up means you get to interact directly with us and other aviation enthusiasts. 
It's a fantastic way to get your questions answered, share your opinions, and even influence future podcast topics. So don't miss out on being part of the Uplink LinkUp community. Join today and take your love for aviation to new heights. We can't wait to interact with you all. Again, thank you for joining us, and we can't wait to see you next week. See you next week. Have a good week, Shasta. Thanks, Michael. Have a great week. Be sure to join us on Monday for the next Uplink Conversation.